Hi there, my name is Megan McCusker and I'm a nurse practitioner student at the University of Southern Maine. My goal today is to give you a deeper understanding of what the current research is on pharmacogenomics and autoimmune diseases such as lupus. So, you know what to expect. Here's a brief roadmap of what I plan to cover in this podcast. We're just going to start with a quick overview of what pharmacogenomics and lupus are, and then we'll kind of spend the bulk of the time talking about the current research and implications that pharmacogenomics has in the treatment of lupus by looking at a couple different medications that have been involved in some recent research studies, and then indications for future treatments of this disease. So first things first, let's start with what is pharmacogenomics? Pharmacogenomics is the study of the drug response based on the genome. So in order for pharmacogenomics to be implemented, we must first identify the genome of the individual. That's usually done through something called genetic testing. So genetic testing is a way to identify certain genes that are involved in increasing susceptibility to all different types of conditions, diseases, and illnesses. So that way we can identify ways to treat them in the most effective, precise, quick way that also comes with the least amount of adverse effects. So an easier way to understand the correlation is by thinking of something simple like a strep test. So in order to find proper treatment for strep throat, we first have to obtain a strep culture to identify that correct bacterial illness so we can prescribe an antibiotic to match and treat that infection. So pharmacogenomics is sort of the same concept. You want to find a medication to match the gene. For the purpose of this podcast, we're just going to talk really about the pharmacogenomic implications for patients who have lupus. So you're probably wondering, what is lupus? Well, let me tell you here. Lupus is a chronic autoimmune disease that can cause inflammation and pain in any part of your body as a result of your own immune system attacking attacking its own healthy tissue. The most commonly affected organs that are attacked in lupus include your skin, joints, kidneys, and heart. Autoimmune diseases affect about 3% of the population or about 10 million people in the United States, which is a lot of people. So we care because likely we, you know someone with an autoimmune disease or you will end up treating a patient down the road who has one. So it's really important to understand the significance that these diseases play in somebody's life and the overall prevalence that they have, especially in the United States. Diagnosing and treating autoimmune diseases, especially lupus, can be incredibly difficult and time-consuming. So oftentimes it can take months and years to obtain a diagnosis because the symptoms associated are often super vague. Those include, you know, muscle weakness, fatigue, headaches, joint pains, and so oftentimes it's not even included in the differential diagnosis to rule these illnesses out, so it will take a long time to even get the diagnosis. Therefore, there's a huge delay in treatment, and oftentimes treatment takes a very long time. It's a bunch of trial and error until you really find the right combination of treatment options, and that can vary based on your age, your lifestyle, and any other comorbidities you might have. Because lupus can have a detrimental effect on patients both physically and mentally, if it's not treated adequately enough to achieve remission, it stresses the importance of a push toward precision medicine using things like pharmacogenomics. Like we discussed before, you can't have pharmacogenomics without first identifying the genome. So uh, we must first identify the genes that are most common and associated with systemic lupus. Those can be subdivided into four key molecular pathways. So the first one are genes that affect lymphocyte activation. Second one is genes related to innate immune activation and signaling. 
third one is genes related to handling of apoptotic debris, and fourth one is genes related to a specific organ damage and systemic lupus. Four of the most common different variations of genes are HLA-DRB1, STAT4, FCRL3, and PTPN22. These genes and variations of these genes called SNPs, or single nucleotide polymorphisms, show great promise in helping to predict an individual's response to certain drugs. There are many different components of gene expression and genetics that would likely determine the best treatment for lupus, but SNPs are associated with different toll-like receptors and interferons, both of which play a part in the immune process, as well as SNPs that determine enzyme presence and activity level that predict how well a drug will be metabolized and tolerated by the body that have huge pharmacogenomic implications when determining best treatments for lupus. Now that we've sort of discussed what makes a person most susceptible to lupus based on their genome, it's time to switch into gears and we're talking about treatments. So lupus is not curable. It's an autoimmune disease. It's not curable. Treatment focuses mostly on symptom management and it's super important to control your symptoms so you can prevent your immune system from attacking itself and then causing permanent organ damage or progressing the illness. For example, in lupus, if it's uncontrolled, it'll often progress into lupus nephritis, meaning it's attacking your kidneys and this oftentimes leads to a kidney transplant if it's not controlled. So there's a bunch of different medications approved in helping to treat lupus symptoms, including immunosuppressants, anti-malarials, steroids, anti-inflammatories, and biologic medications. When we're thinking about lupus and the treatment, there are a couple different factors to consider. So the first one is specific targeting of pathogenic cells without interfering with normal immune responses. That one's super important. Two, reestablishing immune tolerance. Three, treatment with minimum toxicity and the fewest side effects. And four, cost effectiveness. So this is really where pharmacogenomics comes into play. The first medication we're going to talk about is hydroxychloroquine. You might recognize the name of this because this medication was thought to be a, a solution or a treatment for COVID-19 a couple years ago. However, I don't believe that it is. It has not necessarily been um, studied more, but it is definitely a treatment in autoimmune diseases, specifically lupus. And so hydroxychloroquine specifically targets toll-like receptor genes. Toll-like receptor genes are involved in the innate immune response. They sense conserved molecular patterns for early immune recognition of a, of a pathogen. It's been demonstrated that if they have a high number of TLR9 genes, then that patient is more susceptible to systemic lupus in contrast to somebody who's got low activity of TLR9 genes. Um, those levels are correlated also with a lab value that if you test for it, it's positive for lupus and that's double-stranded DNA antibody levels. So those TLR9 genes are correlated with uh, double-stranded DNA antibody levels. Um, and those TLR9 genes is what hydroxychloroquine is targeting when we're using that as a treatment. That is the specific thing that um, is targeted. So if you're tested for that specific gene and it comes back positive and there's a high number for it, then likely you will be susceptible to hydroxychloroquine and that should work for you as a 
It's an anti-malarial and it should work for you as a treatment for lupus. As you could have probably guessed, TLR9 is not the only toll-like receptor gene that is involved or makes people susceptible to developing lupus. There's also different toll-like receptor genes, and there are there's a new study out there about a new medication that they're trialing that's actually a derivative of hydroxychloroquine, and it's a quinazolin derivative. It's CPG52364. It's an anti-inflammatory TLR antagonist that's specifically inhibiting TLR7, TLR8, and TLR9. The goal is really to inhibit disease progression of systemic lupus and other autoimmune diseases as well. And it has shown great efficacy in these animal models that they've trialed it in, um, especially in systemic lupus-prone mice. Um, it's currently being evaluated in a phase one clinical trial, so hopefully in a few years we'll actually have more information um, on this, hopefully, fingers crossed, successful new medication. Azathioprine is another medication that's commonly used to treat lupus and also oncology patients. Its primary action is blocking of DNA replication. Once it's taken orally, it's converted to 6-mercaptoprene, and then it's broken down by the enzyme thiopurine methyltransferase, also known as TPMT. So there's a genetic polymorphism, actually, of that TPMT gene um, and enzymatic activity. Approximately 90% of the population have high activity of that TPMT gene, 10% have intermediate activity, and about 0.03% have TPMT deficiency. This is important because if you're going to be prescribed this medication, you definitely want to know whether you have a deficiency, if you have intermediate activity, or if, you have, if you're able to, to metabolize this normally. So if you have a deficiency, you're not able to metabolize this medication. Therefore, it rapidly accumulates high concentrations in the body, causing potentially fatal bone marrow toxicity. Same thing with intermediate activity. Definitely want to know if that's something that you have because... Although it's not as likely to build up that fetal bone marrow toxicity, it definitely has um, the chance to do that. So this medication is actually on the list. If you're about to start it, you want to get genetic testing, or it's recommended that you get genetic testing to determine if you do have that TPN enzymatic activity and if you have a high activity or if you have a deficiency. Because if you have a deficiency, then you would definitely want to be prescribed a different medication. Another common medication that's prescribed to both actually patients with lupus and, pa and oncology patients is methotrexate. So methotrexate, um, its primary action is to inhibit the enzymes responsible for the synthesis of nucleotides. So there is an enzymatic gene. It's the methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase gene, also known as MTHFR, which has a well-characterized polymorphism located on that gene. Um, it's got a prevalence of about 8% in the normal, normal population, and there's different mutations of that specific gene that are actually associated with an increased risk of discontinuing methotrexate treatment because of adverse effects mainly due to the increased risk of elevated liver enzyme levels. So that's another important one that you would definitely want to be tested for before initiating this medication. Methotrexate is a medication that you do get um, 
frequent lab draws to test for elevated liver enzymes. Um, and so that's something that could just be eliminated totally if you were to know that you had this gene and this polymorphism of this gene, you then you would just try a different medication. You wouldn't even bother probably with methotrexate. Sulfazalazine is another medication that's used to treat lupus, um, primarily actually discoid lupus, so lupus that affects the skin. It's a DMARD, so it's a disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drug, and it is important and has pharmacogenomic implications. It's um, metabolized using the Na2 enzyme gene, and if you are a rapid metabolizer with this gene, it seems to correlate with a better therapeutic response. Slow metabolizers actually correlate with an increased GI side effect profile and therefore warrant early discontinuation of the drug. So knowing how quickly or how slowly you metabolize using this gene is definitely going to have implications for whether you want to trial this medication or not. Biologic medications are a huge new player in the treatment of autoimmune diseases, especially lupus. Currently, there's only one approved biologic medication for the treatment of lupus, and that's been Lista. Um, it works by interrupting immune system signaling involved in the inflammatory process that results in damage to joint tissue. The first type of biologic approved for use um, in treating things like rheumatoid arthritis was designed to target the protein, specifically the tumor necrosis factor. Biologic drugs are capable of targeting individual molecules, and that's a huge, huge benefit and shows great promise um, in the precise approach that precision medicine warrants, especially pharmacogenomics. Currently, there's one study about Benlista, and they concluded that more research needs to be done to confirm any pharmacogenomic relevance in patients. They weren't able to specifically narrow down one single gene that it would target, and so um, definitely need to have more research, but hopefully that um, shows great promise in the treatment of patients with lupus. So as you can see, the pharmacogenetics of autoimmune diseases, especially lupus, is relatively new and definitely complex. With trials of new medications like the quinazolin derivative that are targeting more specific toll-like receptor genes and the current recommended use of genetic testing for medications such as azathioprine, the future of pharmacogenomics looks promising and not terribly far away. As a future healthcare provider, I am excited and hopeful for the development of precision medicine like pharmacogenomics. Being able to diagnose and treat patients in a quick, precise way is a huge benefit. Genetic testing might be costly up front, but the cost avoidance of multiple medication trials, possible hospitalizations due to adverse reactions to medications or disease progression, not to mention the mental health improvement it will likely cause in patients, is priceless.